Hello, I'm so thrilled you found the show. This is the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. Now that's a mouthful. Let's unpack that name so you know what you're getting here. We talk about 10 truly paramount matches from around the world as we define them here at Team Noob, as we call it. Our goal is to shine a spotlight on top flight leagues, tournaments, and clubs, big and small, from every possible corner of the globe. This week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, July 23rd through Thursday the 29th. Basically, if it's important where it's being played, there's a good chance that we've got a mini preview. Doesn't matter if that country is big or small. Plus, after the 10, we also do three really fun and interesting bonus matches. We're going to learn some footy, and we're going to learn about the world through the lens of soccer. Joining me on this learning journey is nine-year-old co-host, my daughter, Person Noob. Hello! I remain your humble host, Soccer Noob. Let's dive right into the footy with... March number one! As always, we will keep things chronologically oriented, and our first qualifying match for the track is a Friday match. Match number one takes us to the Singaporean Premier League, which is rated number 19 in all of Asia, the AFC. As such, with that ranking, they get to send their top eligible team to the AFC Champions League. That team will go right through to the group stage, and then their next two eligible teams will go to the secondary international Asian club tournament, the AFC Cup, also both right to the group stage. They're about halfway through the season already, so some high drama here, as we have number one, Abirex Niigata, taking on second second place currently, Lions City Sailors. Uh, right now, Niigata lead in, I believe, the all-time series, 22, 10, and 8. They played earlier this season at Lions City Sailors' home turf, and they managed to get a 2-2 draw out of it. Niigata currently lead in the table by one, whereas Lions City lead Haogang United by three. Let's learn a little bit about each of these teams. I love the classy-sounding mascot for Niigata. They are the White Swans. Uh, they play in the western part of the country in a district called Jurong East. There is also Jurong West, just so you're not confused directionally there. And it's a largely residential district. Now, if this sounds very Japanese, this club name, there's a good reason for that. They are a satellite team of Albirex Niigata in Japan, which is uh, when I first started following football was a J1 league top flight. They're currently in uh, the secondary league in Japan. This team joined the Singaporean Premier League, was formed for it more or less in 2004. At that time, the Singaporean FA actually put out sort of a, let's call it a general call to countries in the region to see if any of them wanted to send other teams or form satellite teams. They thought it might improve attendance. They were having a lot of issues with that in the early 2000s, it would seem. Now, I sort of assumed that this team would be essentially a reserve team for Abirex Nagata of Japan, but actually only about 60% of the squad is Japanese. The other two-fifths are all Singaporean players. And interesting side note, this same J2 club, uh, Nigata, they also have a regional team uh, in Barcelona, and they also have a Premier League team in the country of Laos. Now, this squad, uh, you might have uh, heard a little bit of inflected asterisk in here earlier where I talked about eligible teams getting to go to the Champions League in the AFC Cup. As a reserve side, not from the country, this team is not eligible for AFC competition. That said, they've still got four league titles all since 2016, and they are the defending champions. They seem well on their way to that again this year as they are undefeated. Offense has just been a little bit above average, number four out of the eight teams, but the defense has just been unholy. They're letting in less than one goal per match. 
The offense that they do get, number three league-leading scorer is theirs, Kiyoshiro Suboy. He is a Japanese forward, just 21 years old, on loan from a team that I believe just got promoted last year or the year before from J2 to the J1 League in Japan, uh, Tokushima Vortis. And then they also, as you would imagine, have the number one statistical goalkeeper in the league, Takahiro Koga. Now, what's surprising about this is this is his first year as a pro. He's from Japan, and he's only 22 years old. Meanwhile, Lions City Sailors, they do carry an official AFC club ranking. They are just inside the top 50. They play in a different part of the country, a little bit more centralized, called Bishan, if I'm getting my pronunciation right, which uh, the general area is largely a former cemetery rather for the Hakahan and Cantonese people uh, that live there and were building up this district many years ago. About one and a half years ago, this team went through a name change. They became Home United. It was founded as a police team. Home United was more to build up sort of a sense of them representing all of the government uh, protection services, if you will, their equivalents of Homeland Security, I suppose, border protection, the military, all of that. But in any case... Now, starting this year, that's all changed once again. Now the team is 100% privatized as 100% of the ownership of the team is under the uh, ownership, I guess, I keep using the same word, is now owned by the owner of Shopee, which my American listeners may not be familiar with that. Think of that as sort of a, a, a mini... Uh, a mini Amazon, if you will, over in Europe. Very, very big deal. The dude's a billionaire many times over. Now, as far as the footy, in 2001, they made what I believe was their only AFC Champions League appearance. They made it to the second round. As far as the AFC Cup, they've gotten to go to that a lot more. Eight different appearances since 2004. In 2004, they made the semifinals. That was their best finish. Domestically, they've won two titles before. Most recent one was quite a while back, just 2003. Last year, they finished number three in the league. This year, they got the number one offense going. They score three goals per match. Impressive. They're still very good on defense, uh, second best in that category, and have the number one overall goal differential. I think that this team is going to be able to get a point off of Niigata. That's sort of the reigning power in this league ever since I started following football. Uh, number four league-leading score that will help them to it, in my opinion, is Croatian veteran forward Stipe Plazibat. And then tied for number three statistically and goalkeeper for them is Hassan Sunny. Match number B. Thank you, daughter dearest person noob, for reminding us all that number two don't you, don't you just feel dirty hearing it? I feel dirty seeing it, saying it. It's bathroom talk. Number B. It's the much more couth phrase to use. Join the couth revolution that is the quest for number B. And now we'll talk about the second match. It comes to us out of the USL League 2 here in the United States, a semi-professional league. That's uh, either, I think, 81 or 83 teams. In any case, they're divided into 12 total divisions that are parts of four different conferences. This is part of the unofficial fourth tier of the American soccer pyramid. It sits more or less right alongside in quality with the NPSL right behind, as you would imagine, USL League One and the fairly newly formed NISA organization. And this is a conference finals or essentially a national quarterfinal match. And the reason I've gone with something this far down the pyramid, I've been meaning to cover more lower division American soccer in general, but this gave me the perfect excuse because I can be as biased as I want to be. I used to live in the Des Moines area in Iowa, and this match is Des Moines Menace 
playing host to Kalamazoo FC out of Michigan, both teams from the Central Conference. The winners are going to get to play either Park City, Red Wolves, which would be out of Utah, or the Portland Timbers of MLS, their U23 team. Or under 23 side. So let's learn a little bit about each, especially the one I'm excited about, your host team. The Menace, they were founded in 1994. Officially, they, I believe they at least try to play most of the games at Drake Stadium. I know that this particular one is being played at a place they've played entire seasons before, which is Valley Stadium at West Des Moines High School. Uh, as far as national championships, they do have one to their credit, believe it or not. They won uh, what used to be the PBL, which is now USL League 2, back in 2005. In 2019, they won the Heartland Division, the one they play in, of course, and they made the conference semifinals. So this is tied for the furthest that they've ever gotten under this particular league name. They've uh, done very well recently. They've won four of the last five division titles. This year, I don't want to say it was easier, but instead of 10 teams, the Heartland only had six. All of the divisions had a bunch of teams on hiatus, either because of uh, COVID, financial reasons, or essentially a mix of both. So because they only had six teams, their uh, division was a little bit smaller than most or all of the others. Only the top two made the playoffs instead of the top three. They advanced to this match, and I think this bodes very well. Last round, they had to play had to play the defending champions, the Flint City Bucks, and they overcame them with a 1-0 win, and so they are here. They went 11-0-1 on the regular season, statistically just outstanding. They score about two and a half goals a game or so, very nearly only allow one goal every other match statistically. So they're best in the division on offense and defense. And in fact, based on, uh, we'll call it win percentage, but points earned per match, they won the equivalent of the supporter shield this year, they're having basically the best record or getting the most wins against fewest draws and ties of any team in the entire country in that league. Talking about some of the players, league number one prospect, according to the USL website, plays for Des Moines, Kingsford, and I'm going to take a stab at his last name, Ajay, A-D-J-E-I. He's gotten uh, five goals in six games for them. Plays or played for the University of Dayton. I couldn't quite gather that. This league is very much largely made up of uh, high-quality college kids that are obviously sort of on break for the summer, but don't want a footy break. And uh, interestingly, he is originally from Accra in Ghana. And then tied for number three and assists in the entire league is James Thomas, who plays or played for the University of New Hampshire and is a British player. Now, Kalamazoo, they won the Great Lakes Division this year by two points over overall defending champions Flint City. They did so with the uh, third best offense in the league and the second best defense, allowing just one goal per match. I love the name of the team they beat. I've been aware of them for a couple of years. They beat Mississippi Brilla 1-1 and then had to go to penalty kicks and they won 4-1 on that to advance. Their first five seasons in the NPSL, they never made the playoffs. So welcome to it, Kalamazoo. But I have to be honest, I'm kind of hoping that you will now make your exit. The best prospect, according to the League 2 website, that they have is their goalkeeper, Parker Smith. And then tied for number eight overall in league scoring is Cyrus Harmon. Match number three. By the way, match number B was also a Friday match. Match number three is a Sunday match. We don't have any Saturday matches that we're going to cover on the track. Certainly the first time that's ever happened because Saturday is where we normally have the widest selection. So our third match, this is numerically the point in the podcast where I've been wanting to call this like the money match or something like that. It's usually where I introduce our 3,500-year-old prognosticator character, Noob Stradamus. 
but he's never gotten a match winner correct, let alone the score. We haven't been able to make any. I've had to take a second mortgage, quite frankly, trying to bet on his results. But we continue to hold the faith. He's older than anybody we know. He has a connection to the universal infinite. We're sure of it. And so, once again this week, we're going to try to get another prediction from him. This time for a match from the Lithuanian A-Liga. This is the number 33-ranked league in all of UEFA. And the match is number B, Suduva, versus number one, Zalgiris Vilnius. Your traditional powerhouses there, certainly in recent years. So let's try to find out what's going to happen. Take it away, mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the merciless plains of Thracian Greece. Well, it's been more than a little breezy of late. You come to me seeking otherworldly knowledge for a football match score. Well, you shall not have one! For on the appointed day there should be no top-flight footy played in Marajampol. Ask not why, soccer noob. I have shared with you many times my visions of travel through space and time. Whee! The, uh, sorry, old habit. Now this time, even with my near two millennia of wisdom, I cannot begin to describe what I have divined in mine own sacred noggin. It is enough for you to know that I have seen, and so have spoken. And don't think you can get out of sending me next week's payment of soda stream tab and the bag of loose prescription pills. I have needs. Such needs. Match number four. Staying on Sunday on the calendar and coming back stateside, but this time for the top flight, Major League Soccer, where they're in the East and West Conference, each of the top seven teams get to go to the playoffs. The winners of each of the two conferences get to advance straight through to the semifinal. In fact, they're about 40% of the way through the season, so the drama is slowly ramping up. And a reminder as far as international play, the CONCACAF Champions League, who gets to qualify? The East and West Conference winners automatically get to go. The playoff winner or overall MLS champion gets to go, and so will the winner of the U.S. Open Cup, or essentially the USFA Cup. And your matchup. Hey, if you don't like hearing about Seattle Sounders, you've got to root harder against them, folks. They're still number one in the West, and they are playing host to number B, Sporting Kansas City. Here's how the table looked when we scouted it. There could be a little bit of a delay from when you're hearing this, so always take it with a grain of salt. Seattle led KC by five, and then Kansas City in turn lead the LA Galaxy by two in the table. Uh, for the series, the Seattle lead eight, six, and four. This is their first meeting this year, and you can catch this game on ESPN Plus at 9 p.m. Eastern time if you are so inclined. I know I certainly will. A little bit about Seattle. This used to be my least favorite team in the entire entirety of Major League Soccer. I had a, a college uh, professorial assistant who is, uh, I want to be nice. He was just a very difficult company. Would that be a delicate way to put it? And he was a mammoth Seattle Sounders fan and really liked to talk about it, really put me off on them. 
But one of my favorite celebrities is one of the three biggest minority owners, Drew Carey. You know, like him on The Price is Right, loved him on The Drew Carey Show back in the day. And I listened to his Sirius XM program on Friday nights when I happened to be in my car, the Friday night freak out. Just loves, I think he used to be a rock and roll DJ maybe back in his early 20s. But in any case, he's doing lots of fun things with the team as the owner. And my favorite one is, he insisted on them having a marching band called the Sound Wave. It is 50 pieces strong and just amazing that they have that going. Another reason to like this team is if you like things with a little bit more of a homegrown flair, for lack of a better way to put it, Seattle follows something akin to what's known in the world as the Barcelona model. They actually have a group of fans, a season ticket holders, plus anybody else who basically wants to pay a fee, they can join the FC Alliance. And this is a group that gets to take part in a lot of meaningful, not just token decisions. They can even vote to remove the general manager, which I think is really something. Not that there's really been any need to in Seattle, because taking a look at them on the field, wow. Two league titles to their credit already, 2016 and in 19. They were playoff runners-up last year. They even won the Supporter Shield, had the best record in the entire league in 2014. And they have finished in second place in the Western Conference the last four years. Just so consistent. Uh, 2020, last year, they made the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16. Their best ever finish was in 2016 when they made the quarterfinals. This year, second best defense in the league, number, or I'm sorry, second best offense in the league and number one on defense. They have yet to allow their 10th goal on the entire year. Just such an intimidating back line and in the goal. On the offensive side, number one league Leading scorer, superstar, Raul Ruiz Diaz from Peru, the Peruvian flea at only five foot seven, his nickname. Uh, before 2018, he had spent some time with Morelia down in Liga MX. He's almost got 50 national team caps for Peru as well. This all said, I think that their best all-around player, if you watch the game on ESPN+, Plus, look for Jao Paulo from Brazil. He's a central defensive midfielder, at least that's what they call him positionally, but he's got a goal, he's got four assists, he's a little guy, also five foot seven. He's okay on tackle statistically, but he is an absolutely amazing passer. And because their back line and their goalie are so good, even though he's sort of listed as a defensive midfielder, he really gets to push up the field and get to help on offense quite a bit. Now, Seattle's form is, at least compared to their usual form, a little bit troubling. They are only 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five. Now, they've won two of their last three matches, but their first loss of the season was in there. And then their most recent match was, it was a 1-0 win against Austin, the expansion team, but they barely won that. Now, that said, the flip side of the coin is they brought in Raul Ruiz Diaz in something like the 60th minute, and he scored an, ab scored an absolute worldy of a goal from a million miles away. It was really something to see. Google that up if you can. But Seattle started, I want to say, or played five teenagers in that game. They really decided to give a lot of starters a break for the game down in Austin. In any case, let's move on to the challengers. Kansas City, they are the Wizards. Last year, they were number one in the West and made it all the way to the conference semifinals. Two league titles to the credit. Most recent one was 2013. Uh, 2000 was the year for the other one, and they won the Supporter Shield that year as well. Two years ago, 2019, they made the Champions League semifinals, and they've been that far a couple different times. 
this year, number one offense in that division, tied for number nine, five on defense. Not not bad by any stretch, but a little bit of a bugaboo for them. But they've got some leeway thanks to number three league leading scorer Daniel Saloy from Hungary, striker, twenty five years old. He's been in the uh, in Major League Soccer his entire career, except for his very first year when he played uh, back home in uh, Hungary. I believe the club was uh, Uwe Pest. In any case, their second best all-around player. He's been a lot of fun to watch in the Gold Cup. 19-year-old central midfielder Gianluca Busio. He's been getting some of that U.S. men's national team time since they're not, they didn't bring in like their top five or six players. And it's been fun to see some of these younger guys play. And it's going to be easy to forget his age pretty shortly because he is right on the edge of signing with an Italian Serie A team, Venezia, that I believe uh, just got promoted. Two goals and two assists in Major League Soccer this year so far. And he is just an all-purpose dynamo. Incredible pass rating. The best one I've ever happened to look up, almost 90%. And then he tackles very well when he does have to track back on defense. Their form, they had won three straight matches before most recently. They had a surprising mere home draw against the San Jose Earthquakes. Match number five. We're going to stay on Sunday on the calendar and stay stateside for the quarterfinal in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. That's the men's national team championships here in our part of the world. And the match is USA versus Jamaica. And as always, I know that you can get your USA coverage lots and lots of different places, but I notice a little bit of a lack about talk here and there about the visiting team so often. So let's talk a little bit about Jamaica. By the way, the winners are going to get to play either El Salvador or uh, Qatar in the next round. Qatar was invited from the Asian Confederation to kind of round things out and let them warm up as the host nation uh, for the upcoming World Cup. The U.S. lead the series 8-0-3 against Jamaica. They're going to play this game at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, and it'll be on FS1 and Univision at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Jamaica are known as the Reggae Boys. Don't forget if you spell it to spell it with a Z because apparently it's still the 1990s down there. They are the number six rated team in CONCACAF and the number 45 overall team as ranked by FIFA. Uh, 1998 was the only time they ever went to the World Cup. They finished number three, not good enough to advance to the group stage. As far as their history in this event, the Gold Cup 2019, they managed to finish number four. Last appearance, of course, since this runs every other year. 2017 and 15, they were actually the runners-up. More recently, they lost in a friendly match to the United States, uh, one to four. They qualified for this event by winning their group in League B of the Nations League. They had a 21-1 to goal differential for it against 5-1-0. Can't believe anybody even got a draw against them. They were easily the best team in all of League B and will be promoted to League A in the next iteration of the Nations League. In any case, they're where they belong now. They finished, uh, as far as for this event, in the Gold Cup group stage. They went 2-0-1 with a 4-2 goal differential. The offense was a little bit lacking, but they're still good enough to advance. They finished behind Costa Rica, who they lost to 0-1 in their final match for titleship in the group. We've got a bunch of USA connections, as you might imagine. I like to uh, always like to look for the home kids. And so... We'll take a look at them, although there will be a lot, so I'll try to make fairly quick work of it. USA Connections goalkeeper Andre Andre Blake from Philadelphia. He's got 47 national team caps, by the way, with Jamaica. He's been with Philly nearly, I believe, his entire career, except for maybe his first year. Also out of Philadelphia and just as experienced for the national team is Alvis Powell, another defender 
Oniel Fisher plays for uh, the LA Galaxy. And then not all of them are MLS players. Uh, Lamar Walker plays for Miami FC. That's as opposed to Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami is the Major League Soccer side. Miami FC is from the second tier uh, United States uh, League Championship, second division. Also from Miami, uh, Miami FC, we have Devin Williams in the midfield. Corey Burke plays forward for them. He had another Philadelphia connection. And Junior Fleming out of the USL Championships Birmingham Legion team. He's got 13 national team caps. But the guy who you really want to eyeball the most on the pitch, so it'll be a real treat to watch, Shamar Nicholson is going to lead the way. He plays for a really darn good Belgian top flight team. Uh, called Charleroi, and he is easily their most experienced national team forward. That said, he's only 24 years old, yet he's already got over 20 national team caps. Rabid, voracious kitties. That means that it is time to take a break from our current week's tracking and do what we actually purport to do, and that is track. Let's take a look back at a recap of last week's featured matches on the podcast. Friday, match number one. We looked at a match out of the Macau Elite League, number B, Benfica de Macau, taking on number one, CPK. CPK only needed a result of any kind to officially win the league, and they got it in style. They won one to four. Congratulations to the league champions of Macau. Match number B, we went to Somalia, their Premier League for number one, Horsey, taking on number B, Mogadishu City, and the result was a nil-nil draw. Interesting, it's going to be a real race here at the end. There's only one match to go for everybody. And if Horsey to Mogadishu City, if neither of them get a point in their last match, the third or fourth place club with a win could actually jump all the way up and take the lead. Really interesting because Mogadishu City, up until probably about 10 days ago, had led this league the entire season. Saturday, match number three, the women's top flight in Norway, the top Syrian. Number one, Rusenberg took on number B, Sandviken, or Vatken, I should say, and it was Sandviken pulling the upset nil two, and so they switched positions. We have a new number one there. Match number four, MLS. Number eight, Columbus Crew, and number six, NYCFC. A couple of teams floating right around the back end, that playoff line, and it was Columbus getting back into the playoff mix. They came away with a 2-1 win. Their superstar, Lucas Zellerayan, had the game-winning goal. Man of the match possibility that we said to look for for New York City FC also had a goal of his own. That was Jesus Medina. Match number five was the Champions League final out of Africa, and it went just as we expected. South Africa's Kaiser Chiefs, who have struggled in league this year to be anything but average, quite frankly, uh, took on the all-time power in Africa, all Ailey out of Cairo, Egypt. It was all Ailey coming away nil three. Uh, Mohamed Sharif, uh, the guy that we said would be key in the box score most likely, had the first goal. All the goals that were scored in the second half and not too surprising because, unfortunately for them, Kaiser Chiefs lost a player named Happy Masciani to a straight card right at the end of that first half at the 45th minute. Sunday, match number six, the NWSL. Number four, Portland Thorns taking on number two, Orlando Pride. And it was Portland coming away with a 2-1 win. Portland jumped all the way to first place and Orlando dipped to number five. Match number seven was from the CONCACAF Gold Cup group stage, the USA versus Canada to win the group. The USA had to have a win. That made a difference for who they were going to be playing in the knockout stage. Canada were already going to advance. United States won the match 1-0. Interestingly, the goal was scored 20 seconds into the match. I guess the rest was just them kicking the ball around back and forth. Anyway, match number eight was a Wednesday match out of UEFA, the Champions League, the second qualifying round. First leg, Legia Warsaw taking on Flora out of Estonia. 
and it was Legia Warsaw winning two to one. Guy was said to look for for Flora Thailand. Rauno Seppen and had the equalizer in the second half, but unfortunately for them, the game winner got scored by Legia in the 91st minute. Thursday, we were back at it with the ML or with MLS number three Orlando took on number B Philadelphia, and it was Orlando coming out on top two to one. Their superstar Nani assisted on the game winner. Both team game winner. Both teams at that time now tied for number three. Match number 10, we went to the Copa Libertadores, the Champions League of South America, for a, a second leg match of the round of 16. Number eight, Internacional out of Brazil, taking on number 15, Olympia. Uh, not real exciting once again, unless you like defense. For the second time, it was a nil-nil draw. So they had to go to penalty kicks. And congratulations to the Paraguayans of Olympia. They won four to five on PKs and will advance to the next round. And then our bonus matches with X Explanations on these coming later. A Saturday match for the route of the week possibility came to us from the Vikosliga. That's Finland's top flight. It was last place number 12, AC Aalu, taking on number one, HJK. Well, it's not the first time on this podcast. It's always super exciting when it happens. We had a major upset. HJK fell asleep and Aalu won two to one. Now, that still leaves them in the cellar, but at least they can now say they're not in last place alone. They are tied on points with FCKTP at the bottom of that table. Then, the most meaningless match in the world. We visited MLS one more time. Number 11, Cincinnati, took on number 10, Atlanta United. As so often happens with meaningless matches, it was a 1-1 draw, so no change in the table positions. Luciano Acosta had a goal for Cincinnati. And then finally, the match of disappointed. We had gone to Singapore for number seven, Ten Jong Pagar United taking on number eight, Young Lions. And disappointingly, nobody won, but perhaps predictably, another one, one draw. For Ten Jong Pagar, Luis Jr., their Brazilian star, had an equalizer. And then for Young Lions, a guy that we said to look for, Hami Sayahin had a goal. They remain in 7th and 8th place in the table, respectively. That finishes off our recap of last week's tracking. Now let's get back into the current week's matches with... Match number 6. One last Sunday match, and longer-time listeners, I ask for your patience because this is a redo of a match that got postponed from the uh, just one of the last two podcast. But nevertheless, I wanted to give it a little bit of coverage again. We're headed to Mozambique's Mosambola for this particular one. That is the number 20 rated league in Africa, down three from a year ago. They're about halfway through the season down there. The season started in January, and then it got postponed for three months due to COVID. So their schedule's been a little bit out of sorts for a number of reasons. Might play into why they had to postpone this one once again. Could be COVID-related. But in any case, here's the hoping they get it in this time. And the match is number B, Ferro Villario Bayra versus number one, Black Bulls Maputo. This is the first of two meetings they'll have on the year. Uh, Black Bulls currently lead by four in the table, whereas Byra lead Ferro Villario Maputo by three. Looking a little bit at each, Byra, that is on the central coast of the country. Uh, unfortunately, if you're familiar with that uh, town's name, it might be because that you are familiar with Cyclone uh, Ide. 90% of the city was destroyed just two years ago. They must be making a good recovery. Either that or the team is playing out of some other city, and I haven't caught wind of it. I hope it's the former. In any case, the city was about uh, at a half a million people population-wise, fourth biggest metro area in the country. They've got one league title to their credit. That was in 2016. 
They made the African Champions League in 2017, got to the quarterfinal before they lost to a very good USM Alger team, and they lost only on away goals. Uh, let's see, they got past the group stage for that. They had a little bit of luck, though. They might have qualified anyway, but the two teams that ended up officially finishing below them uh, were two Sudanese teams, and FIFA had just suspended the entire Sudanese FA right in the middle of the tournament. In any case, last year they were number four. This year, very well balanced, second best offense and defense. And their current form is two wins and a draw in their last three. And then we have the very surprising Black Bulls of Maputo, number one offense by a ton. Almost three goals per match is what they score, and they've got a top three defense. They're undefeated. Why is that so surprising? Well, they must have added something with the water in the clubhouse because this team was just in Division Two last year. They won the Southern Division of that to get promoted, and here they are not taking a loss in the top flight. This is one of five teams that plays in the capital proper, and uh, that's uh, if you're not familiar geographically, that's in the far southeast coast of the country. Match number seven. Match lucky number seven is a Tuesday match. We skip right over Monday and we head to the Chinese Super League, which is the number one rated league in the AFC. This year they're doing things different. Thanks so much, COVID. Um, Two groups they've been divided into, and each one is going to play a double round rob in this first phase of the season. Then the tops and the bottom halves of each of the groups will split into new groups, the championship and relegation rounds of the regular season. Each of the two groups, as I mentioned, is playing in a bubble. This particular matchup will have two teams from Group A, which is playing in the city of Guangzhou at four different stadia. They're about halfway through the group stage right now. And from the overall table at the end of the season, the top two teams will qualify for next year's Champions League group stage. And the third place team will qualify for the CL, but they will have to start a round earlier in the playoff round. Your matchup is number B, home field advantage, so to speak. Guangzhou FC versus number one Shandong Taishan currently. Let's take a look at how the table is. Shandong Taishan, uh, Shandong Taishan, yeah, I got it right. Lead Guangzhou by one in the table. Guangzhou in turn are tied on points for second place with uh, Shenzhen. Guangzhou lead the series 13-6-4 against Taishan, and, uh, but Shandong Taishan won their one other regular season meeting this year. Now, learning a little bit about each, Guangzhou, they are the South China Tigers, love the mascot. I'm always on the lookout for anything other than the oh-so-boring and overused Lions. This is the most valuable team in the entire league. This is the New York Yankees, more or less. Now, if the name is a little bit unfamiliar, a lot of the teams, maybe even all of them in the league, the names will be at least a little bit strange-sounding because they've gone the German route and they've forced all the teams to drop their corporate sponsors out of the names. Last year, this team was known as Guangzhou Evergrande. So we'll be running into that quite a bit probably over the next couple of months. Now, on the field, two AFC Champions League titles. They won it in 2013 and in 15. This year, good night. What happened to them? Actually, all the Chinese teams really had trouble. But this team just absolutely sank. They went 0-0-6 in the group stage, only scored one goal, and gave up nearly three per match, 17. Moving on from that, domestically at least, eight league titles. And they've uh, won them from 2007 through 2019. Last year, they finished in second place. 
this year. They've got the best offense in their group going at the very least, uh, scoring over two goals per match, second best defense, and the number one overall goal differential. I believe that they will continue their winning ways and retake the lead today in their group A. Uh, tied for second place in the league overall in assists is Tang Miao. He's a legend with this club. He's been with them since 2011, made over 250 appearances. But they're all-around best players, probably a defender. He plays box-to-box box as a left back, but he's got a couple of goals in his seven games, and that's Gao Junyi. Excellent passer, 86% passing rate. He gets to move up and quite play quite a bit of just straight left midfield because of that. He's very good on the tackling as well. Now, Shangdong Taishan. They were Shandong Luneng Taishan. I believe Luneng is the name of an energy company, and so they had to drop that. Interesting side note, I always like to see the networking. This club has relationships, sister clubs uh, with Sao Paulo in Brazil's top flight, Adelaide United in Australia, and Jubilo Iwata, which is something of a yo-yo team in Japan. They're currently in the second division there. 2019 Champions League, this team made the semifinals. That's the best they've ever done. They've never won it. They've won the league title four times, but not since 2010. Last year, they didn't get to go anywhere because they only finished in fifth place. This year, they're undefeated so far. Third best offense, but number one on defense. They've only allowed three goals. Uh, tied for second place in statistic goal scoring is Marwan Fellaini. He's a veteran out of Belgium. Uh, Premier League fans, I know you'll know his name. He played with the he played the heart of his career with Everton and Manchester United, more or less 50-50 there. And then uh, key player for them is their goalkeeper, uh, Daily Huang. He's been with the club since 2014, has spent his entire career with various Shanghai clubs. Match number eight. We're now moving onward to Wednesday, I'm going to take a look at the UEFA Champions League. They're in the qualifying rounds for the 2021-22 version now. The match we're going to look at, the loser is going to drop all the way down to the new tertiary international club tournament in Europe called the Europa Conference League in that third qualifying round. In any case, this again is the second qualifying round, and it is the second match of the two-legged ties. They play home and away for these. And the match I've chosen to focus on for us is Red Star Belgrade out of Serbia versus Kairat out of Kazakhstan. I think this will be a good one because the Serbian league and, team and this team should be the favorites on paper, but Kairat have won the last three against them, and they won the first leg of this match on their own turf 2-1, to one. so it should be very, very competitive. And a quick side note, it used to be that away goals until very recently was a big deal because that was the first tiebreaker if things were tied on aggregate after both games. Now that doesn't matter. So all Red Star Belgrade have to do is win 1-0 and it'll go to PKs hypothetically. In any case, let's talk about Red Star first. They are tied for number 40 in all of UEFA. Give some perspective. Uh, that puts them right next to teams like uh, Lokomotiv Moscow and a team that uh, U.S. listeners might be more familiar with, uh, Glasgow Rangers. Uh, the Serbian Superliga is rated number 13 in all of Europe. This team won the Champions League, although I think it had a little bit of a different name right up until then. Back in 1991, uh, most recently, they still do pretty well. Like last year, they made the round of 32 in this event. Domestically, seven league titles since 2006, and they are the three-time defending champions. And they won the 2020-21 league. Did anybody else even show up nearly 30? They went 35-3-0 and won by 13 over their purported rivals, Partisan. Just 
you want to talk about running away with things. They've got any number of guys that can put it in the back of the net with ease, at least in domestic matches. I think the best guy they've got running, uh, tied for number five last year in league scoring, Mirko Ivanic. She's an attacking midfielder, sets up well from behind. Serbian-born, but uh, reps for Montenegro internationally. Meanwhile, Kyra, your challengers, uh, they play out of the city of Almata, which until 1997 was actually the capital. It is still the largest city. It's in the southeast part of the country. The Kazakh Premier League is rated just number 28. Compare that to number 13 for uh, Red Star. And while that team is number 40, this team is barely inside the top 200. So they should be underdogs. Yet lately, they always seem to have their number. Hence the reason I picked this one. 2005-2006 was this team's only Champions League appearance ever. They only got to the first qualifying round, but good on them for getting there. Now, they've been near the top of their own league a lot, and they've made the Europa League there for lots of times, but they've never been even as far as the group stage. They've gotten close, the penultimate round, the playoff round. Three league titles domestically that they've got. They've won in 2020 by seven over a team called Tobol. Previously, their last one was all the way back in 2004. This year, the Kazakh season ongoing, they're about two-thirds of the way through. This team is in third place. Seems like statistically they should be doing better. Number one offense, second best defense, number one goal differential. So it looks like it's going to be a three-way race down to the end is my guess. Number two league leading scorer is theirs to boast of, Artur Artur Shushenachev. <laughs> I stumbled over the first name because I was so darn worried about the last name. He plays left winger. He's 23 years old. He's got eight goals on the season. And then they've got a very good goalkeeper named Stas uh, Pokatsalov. Match number nine. Match nine is a Thursday match. We're going to stay in Europe and talk about one from the aforementioned Europa Conference League, that tertiary international club tournament in Europe. This is the second qualifying round match, and it is the second match of the two-legged tie between the one we've chosen to look at here at Team New, AGF Aarhus out of Denmark versus Larne out of Northern Ireland. Larne won the first match 2-1 to one on their own turf. Now it's time to see if the Danes can hold serve and perhaps even overtake Larne here in the second match. Now, the reason I picked this particular one, just so you know, I think that if you look at all the teams remaining on paper, that uh, Northern Ireland is sort of the weakest league that is still represented in this event. It's not even a fully professional league. Although, truth be told, I believe Larne is a fully professional team that's probably barely. They're not exactly out there trying to sign, you know, Messi or, you know, Ronaldo or <laughs> these big guys. They're not out there scalping any big name players. In any case, let's talk a little bit about the Danish team first, Arhus, AGF. Arhus is the second biggest city in the country. It's on the east coast of uh, Jutland, the main continental part of the country, metro area of about 350,000 maybe. The Danish Superliga really took a dive the last couple of years. They're down all the way to number 21 in the UEFA rankings for leagues. Domestically, this team, they've won the title five times, but you've got to go way back in the annals to find it. 1986 was the last time they hoisted that trophy. Champions League, they made it all the way to the quarterfinals once, but I know that was long enough ago that it wasn't called the Champions League. That was all the way back in 1961. Now, more recently, at least they've once this decade, they've had a little bit of international experience. They made the Europa League second round in 2012-13. They qualified for this event by finishing in fourth place in their league, and then they had to beat the top team from the relegation round. 
this is one of those leagues that divides into top and bottom halves about two-thirds of the way through the season. Championship round for the top half, relegation round for the bottom half. The team that won the relegation half got rewarded by getting to play the fourth-place team for a right to go to the ECL, but it was our house that ended up winning. They have the second-best leading scorer last year in Patrick Mortensen. Tied for number four in assists in the league last year was Casper Hoyer-Nielsen, but I'm not sure who's going to be setting up Mortensen for his goal now. Goals now because that guy got taken away by Sparta Prague, one of the great Czech teams. Now, their all-around best player is a South African named Gift Links. He's a left winger, good passer, incredible dribbler, and an excellent tackle. Tacklers. So another one of those really fun to watch box to box guys. Now let's take a look at Lar. Not a lot to know about them, and the reason why will become uh, evident shortly. Larn is on the northwest, kind of north central part of the coast of the country, County Antrim. This is a big city that's probably best known economically. It's a big what they call roll-on, roll-off port. Instead of being a general all-purpose port, which I'm sure they use it for that to some degree, but it's particularly famous for getting things to Ireland and Northern Ireland that are on wheels, your cars, your industrial equipment, hence the roll on, roll off. Uh, the village itself probably only has, or town only has about 20,000 people. Northern Ireland's league is only ranked number 38 by UEFA. Now this team, Lorne, they haven't even been in the top flight very long. They just won the second division, the NIFL championship in 2018-19. So they don't have any kind of international experience to their credit, despite the fact that they were founded all the way back in 1889. Now uh, they had the number five offense last year going, number four defense, had the third best goal differential, and they too, just like their opponents today, had to win uh, ECL playoff match. If they're going to get this done, they're probably going to have to pitch a shutout, and so the key guy to look at is going to be tied for second best in Northern Ireland last year in the league, their goalkeeper, Connor Devlin. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! She sounds so excited that we're at the end, but we're not at the end. We still have the three bonus matches to go, and we're going to get to them pretty darn quickly because match number 10 was supposed to be one recovering out of the Premier League of Bangladesh, the 25th-ranked league in all of Asia, and it was supposed to be between uh, Bashundara Kings and Sheikh Jamal, number one and two, and uh, Bashundara Kings have really run away with the league, to be perfectly honest, so this was going to be more congratulatory for them. But we'll have another chance to do that on August 8th if we choose to, because I just learned today that the match was postponed until that date. So just what are the bonus matches? Well, perhaps the most important thing about them is that these are matches that you have voted on to be part of the show. On Twitter, you can find me as Soccer Noob USA, and I put out polls at the beginning of every week for these three matches. You vote on the candidate matchups. The magic content gets made. It's wonderful. The first one every week is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one you have selected is a Wednesday match. Normally we 
we restrict ourselves to top flight matches, but we make a we make an exception for the United States League, and this time we're headed to the second tier, the USL Championship. We're about the they're about a third of the way through the season. This league, by the way, has two divisions, is divided into a total of four conferences, and the top four teams in each of the conferences or each of the divisions, I should say, will move on to the playoffs at year's end. And the matchup that you have selected is last place, number eight in the East, Sporting Kansas City 2 versus number one, Louisville City. That They are number eight and number one, respectively, in the Central Division. You can catch this game online at ESPN Plus at 8 p.m. Eastern if you are so inclined. Uh, SKC 2 currently in the table. They are tied with a reserve team from Atlanta, for one of the last two positions in the league. And they're actually, they're pr- really not that bad. They're the best of the last place teams in all the divisions. And they're only four points in the table behind fourth place, Oklahoma city energy. So this is still a team that you know has plenty of time to save themselves, so to speak. Not that there's any relegation in American soccer and the Louisville city, lead Birmingham Legion by two in the table for that top spot. We'll talk about Kansas City 2 first. Until very recently, just the last year or two, they were known as Swope Park Rangers, and they have held on to that Rangers portion of that as their nickname. Their first season organized as such was in 2016. Boy, what has happened? They used to be real successful, even though they were so young. In 2016 and 17, they were the playoff runners-up, nearly took the title both years. They finished number four in the Western uh, in the Western Conference both those years. Uh, this year, they've got the number three offense going. Not too much trouble on that end, but they've got the worst defense by a mile. They're letting in almost two goals per match. Their best all-around player is most likely Enoch Mushalagusa, I got, almost got that. Musha Galusa. I can't remember if I said it right or wrong the first time. In any case, just 21 years old. He plays a left winger. The name, as you might imagine, being unfamiliar to me, is African in uh, its origin, Congolese specifically. He's got five goals and an assist on the season so far. Meanwhile, moving on to Louisville City. They were founded in 2014. Uh, they were formerly Orlando City's USL team, and they got snapped up. They won the league in 2017 and 18, only time the USL has ever had back-to-back winners. Uh, they are number two overall in the Eastern Conference. Just an excellent side this year. Number one offense in their division by lots. They score over two goals per match, and they've got a top four defense as well. Top 10 score of the entire league is theirs to boast of. A Brit named Cameron Lancaster or Lancaster, I'm not sure which, but in any case, he's a 28-year-old forward. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur fans, you might recognize his name. He came up with uh, those folks, but he really didn't make almost any appearances for them and got loaned out a couple of times. Tied for number three in assists, not veteran at all, 17-year-old defender Jonathan Gomez. And since he's 17, that's how he can get those assists. He's got the young, fresh legs and can get up and down the pitch, play box to box. Believe it or not, despite the fact that this kid's only 17, this is actually his second professional club. He spent his first year playing with North Texas out of USL's League One. That's the league right under USL Championship. That one's down in the third tier. He came up with the Dallas Dallas youth system, and he follow if he follows in his brother's footsteps, he's going to be making plenty of money. His brother, Johan, plays for one of the best leagues over in Europe. He's with the top flight in Portugal, their Primeira Liga. He plays for one of the best teams as well in Porto. 
That said, their best all-around player is probably Corbin Bone, central midfielder that really facilitates everything, 32 years old. He's bounced around uh, major league or almost major league soccer teams. He spent the heart of his career with FC Cincinnati uh, back when they were in the second division, and he's also done time with Philadelphia and Chicago Fire. Our second bonus match, we're not going to do the usual theme song this time, much as we love it here, for the most meaningless match in the world, a match between two teams equidistant between the top and bottom of their tables, more or less, or at least international berths, and last place or relegation. We were supposed to have a Wednesday match, once again from the Bangladesh Premier League, just like our match number 10, between number 6, Sheikh Russell, and number 7, Saif. But how meaningless is this match? Not only is it postponed, but it got listed for a makeup date on July 30th, and the one source that I use already lists it as postponed a second time. I don't know if that's true or not, but very much a sign of the veracity that this would have been and will eventually be the most meaningless match in the world. And now at last, dear Nubites, if I may refer to you as such, we have truly come to the end of our podcast road. Seems fitting that the unlucky number 13 match overall in this podcast won't feature good teams, not even mediocre teams. This is the match of... Disappointed! Ooh, and follow Kevin Sorbo's lead. These teams are truly worthy of your scorn. There wasn't even a vote this week that I had to put up on Twitter. These were the only two teams that occupied the top, or rather the bottom two positions of the table in a top flight league. The match of disappointed truly is, and we're headed to Asia one more time, to Jordan's Pro League. It's pretty good. It's ranked number 12 in the AFC. No thanks to these two sad sack clubs, I can tell you that much. I think they're about halfway through the season. They might only have four more matches through. They've played one round robin, the, the 12 teams. Normally they would play a double, but for each of these two clubs, I'm only seeing four more matches scheduled. I don't know if they've had to cut things short because of rescheduling and COVID. But in any case, this league relegates two teams, and right now these are your two candidates. Last place, number 12, Albuca, or uh, sometimes the pronunciation I've seen it as Albaca, or heard it, I should say. They are taking on second to last place, number 11, Sahab. Albuca trails Sahab by seven points in the table. That is a lot, and they're eight away from safety. Sahab, meanwhile, they still have some hope. They trail Al Jaleel by just one point in the table. Could still save themselves. First, let's look at the team that is not going to save itself, and that is for certain. That is all. Uh, Al-Bukha. Uh, they play out of the Ain al-Bashah district in um, uh, in Amman. That's part of the Balkhah government, which is in the northwest part of the greater metro area. This is a place where uh, all the way back in 1968, same year they founded the club, uh, they founded a Palestinian refugee camp called the Al-Bukhah camp. The team's nickname is really cool. I do like it. It is the Black Horse. Now, I'm sure that they play their games at the International Stadium in Amman, but a different source that I looked at. So this must be a practice field. And I've talked about them once before. So forgive me for repeating myself, but it just cracks me up that it's listed as something called the Bayshore Mall parking lot. It just feels like somebody slipped something by an editor there. And yet they must have a practice field that happens to be near a mall. In any case, their entire history has not been all sadness and grief. Twice in the FA Cup, they have finished in second place, most recently 2013-14. This year, I doubt that that's the sort of thing that's been happening for them. I believe they just got promoted promoted back up. I know they weren't in the top flight in Jordan last year. And this year, (laughs) talk about a dog. 
0-10. They are getting outscored 5-1 to on average. Five goals, four, and just a mind-blowing 25 goals against. Just a truly pitiful effort no matter how you slice it. Meanwhile, Sahab, hard to root for them. The Lions of the East, we know how I feel about Lions. Founded in 1972, they play in the Sahab district of Amman. A little bit different history in this area. This uh when it first started getting built up as a village, it was actually Bedouin farmers doing that, but now it's an industrial hub of all things of the greater Amman area, about 10 miles southeast of the capital proper, a completely different part of the major metro. Last year, they nearly got relegated. They finished number 10. This year, it seems like they're well on their way, even though they're only one point from safety. They have yet to win a game. They're 0-4-6. and they're, Statistically, their offense, their defense – put them a couple notches higher in the league so they could climb. But until they win a game, you got to think that they're going down. To that end, their current form, they have lost three straight matches, and perhaps even more tellingly, they have not won a match in their last 13. And so both of these teams, I would simply turn my back and shun them, but that doesn't play well for an audio podcast. So instead, we will say not good luck, but wish nothing but bad things on these two awful clubs and send them off with our Bronx cheer. Yeah, that was mature. And believe it or not, that's actually how we end the show. That'll put a bow on it. This has been episode 41 of the Tend to Track Weekly World Match Preview Show. I'd like to thank the management for his editing and production duties. Dan, the Interno Inferno, thank you for your efforts and inspiration. And of course, to my dear daughter, Person Noob. Love you very much. I'm glad we get to do this together. And not to be forgotten, you. Hey, I know there's a lot of soccer shows out there. Thanks so much for finding us. If you've enjoyed finding something really unique, I hope that you'll encourage somebody else to give us a try. I think the easiest place to do that is on social media. One more time, my handle on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA. Until we can do it again in a week, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>